Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Sonda Allison, bringing you a bonus episode of the podcast. The Unresolved Life Podcast is based on answering life's most difficult questions. And Teresa Blaze, the regular host, asked me to do this special bonus episode on the season. Hmm. I wonder what that could be. It's the season. Halloween. You can't get away from it. It's everywhere. It's in the drugstore, the grocery store, every store, on every television station if you still watch television. Do you celebrate Halloween? Do you attend a church that celebrates it? When you were a child, did you go trick-or-treating? We're going to talk about that tonight. Hopefully we can bring something new, maybe that you haven't thought about, or maybe something that you haven't thought about in this particular way. That's what we want to do, is give you some things to think about. So before we jump into that very big topic, <laughs> which is sure to ruffle some feathers out there, let's visit. Let's uh, finish up the housekeeping. Unresolved Life is available online. Please visit us at unresolved.life, where you can listen to this and previous episodes of the podcast, learn more about us, contact us, and read our blog that has wonderful articles from a variety of contributing authors. Really, if you have not checked out the blog, please do that. There are some really great articles there that you will find enriching and thought-provoking. Um, they really are great. And please share that. Please like, subscribe, follow, and share Unresolved Life with others. That helps us out a lot. And if you like what we're doing, we would really be honored if you would support us. You can support us at unresolved.life on the Support Us tab using PayPal or Patreon for as little as $5 a month. That would help us a lot, and we would really appreciate it. So Halloween, what a topic, huh? It's really interesting that some people who classify themselves as believers really get their feathers ruffled when we start talking about Halloween. There have been some quotes in so-called Christian communities that say, you should not deny your children the opportunity to participate in Halloween festivities. Really? Hmm. That's kind of interesting. What do you think you're depriving your child of exactly? That's one of the questions I would ask that person. A lot of this has to do with what's called your worldview. And if you don't know what that means, it's just a fancy term, but it really it really just means how do you look at the world? Your worldview, even if you don't know you have one, you have one. In a large sense, dictates how you think and process information and make decisions about things. So if you're a believer in Yeshua Jesus, if you're a Christian, there are certain things that are supposed to guide our decision-making process. There are some, I don't know, what, what would we call that? It's like a list of priorities that certain things must go through in order to make it to uh, the next stage, <laughs> if you will, when we're trying to make a decision. So obviously, one of the first things is, would it be biblical? And that's a pretty tough question for a lot of people. I've heard people say that they use it as an opportunity to witness. Really? You need a pagan holiday to compel you to witness to somebody? There are 364 days of the year that you can be witnessing to people. Why do you need Halloween to do that? 
I'm sure some people are getting a little annoyed already. But we want to think about this. And why is this so important to me? Well, if you don't know who I am, Teresa and I are dear friends, and she has interviewed me a couple of times on the podcast. And my area of specialty is spiritual warfare. So if you're not paying attention to your own worldview, you're going to make decisions based on that worldview. And that worldview might be completely contrary to scripture. You know, it may sound very new agey, but it's actually a biblical principle. We need to go through life awake, not asleep. We don't want to just make decisions that are, you know, off the cup, cuff and not fitting our own belief system. So if we, by that I mean, if we claim to be Christians, then we have to have a Christian belief system that dictates and guides our decision-making process. So what would the Bible say about going to a pagan festival with using the excuse of witnessing? Um, I don't think Jesus did that. And, you know, this is where the rubber really meets the road. And, you know, it's part of what I do in, in counseling and dealing with spiritual warfare. We have to get really real about what our motivation is. I think, for the most part, we like doing things with everybody. We like being part of the crowd. We like having an excuse for a celebration. We like eating foods that are incredibly bad for us. <laughs> All of that candy that is so incredibly toxic. Oh my goodness, if you haven't done any research on this, please take five minutes or ten minutes and on your computer, do a little bit of research on sugar to give you a very small, short definition or explanation, rather. Sugar is like the fertilizer that you lay down on a field, the fertilizer that feeds every toxic, cancerous thing that could ever come to your body. Sugar feeds it. It's incredibly destructive, and it's one of the most addictive substances on the planet. Hmm. Boy, couldn't we go down that rabbit trail? So how many people are sitting in church looking down their nose with an attitude at somebody who got addicted to a drug? I have a friend who got addicted to a drug completely accidentally, following his doctor's advice with a, a real issue, a prescription medication, ended up becoming an addiction for him. And he again followed the physician's recommendation to use a medication that's recommended to help get you off the addiction to the original medication, which he later found out caused just as much problems or more and is incredibly difficult to get off of itself. So what do you know about people, you know, sitting in the church, looking down their nose at someone who might have developed an addiction to a drug and being judgmental in that way, which we are not supposed to be, but they themselves have an addiction to food or sugar. We can have addictions to lots of things. And that can be very alluring. You know, the way human beings are made, we need each other. We are not made to just live by ourselves in the middle of nowhere with no human contact. I mean, for most of us, that's a way to kind of drive us to insanity. So we don't want to do that, but we need to recognize that there is a way that God made human beings to be, and that's the way he made us. Guess what? He talks about it in the Word of God. We are the body of Christ, and we are supposed to work together as one body. 
That's something that I teach my clients when they come to me for counseling and spiritual warfare training. We are made to work with each other, to need each other. So it's understandable from a psychological point of view that we might like being with the in crowd. We might like doing something that everybody thinks is fun. A lot of people don't really feel comfortable not participating in something that is so widely accepted in our culture. How it became so widely accepted in our culture is quite a story, actually. There are some Christian leaders a few years ago that were saying that the early Christians dressed up and participated in Halloween to mock death. I'm very sorry to say that they are grossly misinformed. That is not what the early Christians did ever, and that is not anything that was ever condoned in Scripture. Halloween is 100% pagan. It goes back thousands of years before the Catholic Church even existed. So when we're talking about doing something like that, we tend to be drawn to things that everybody else are doing. It's called character building, which we're supposed to learn in families when we're children growing up. But, you know, a whole lot of us didn't get that. A lot of people have been raised and told repeatedly that all that matters is that you're healthy and happy. Well, I'm sorry the person that said that may have had really good intentions, but that is not true. And this discussion of Halloween is a perfect example of that. Life is not about what you feel. What you feel about something is only part of life. It's not the sum total of life. It's not all there is. You need to understand that there are things that are way more important than how you feel. One of those things is truth. Truth matters. And if we're believers in Yeshua Jesus, it matters a lot because we, we are supposed to come to the understanding that truth is not a concept or a view. It's in a person. Yeshua Jesus is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. It doesn't say that he just taught truth. He is the truth. There are things that are more important than how we feel. If I'm noticing, let's say I uh, had a special dinner for the holidays and had some sweets, you know, or some cheesecake or apple pie a la mode after Thanksgiving dinner. And, you know, once you do that, your body tends to crave sugar because sugar is, like I said, it's one of the most addictive substances known to man. So if I notice myself, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like that call for sugar because I had some sugar over the week weekend, I can be wise and not follow that feeling so that my body stays healthy. And then I can have something as a special treat on a special holiday like that. Or if I'm just following my feelings... I am going to be in serious trouble with my health and probably have a serious problem with my weight, which also contributes to a problem with my health. So how we feel about something is not the sum total. We need to use more wisdom than that. So when we're thinking about this question of Halloween, it's not just what we feel. We want to look, okay, we've talked about the psychological thing where we need, there's like a human need to fit in. There's a human need to kind of want to go along to some extent. We don't want to be just sheep following without thinking. You know, the Lord tells us we are in the world, but not of the world. But we need to use wisdom and discernment, words that you don't hear a lot today. We're supposed to use discernment. We're supposed to be able to be able to sense 
deception and the forces of darkness because the Holy Spirit is so full in us. But that's another thing that a lot of people don't have these days. And a lot of people don't have that because the church is losing numbers, largely in large part, because there's no demonstration of anything real. There's no demonstration of the power of God. There's no demonstration of the life-changing, transformative power of God. This should be shining out of us. When we get saved, it's transformative. Lives change. People who have, have a real gutter mouth, every, every other word out of their mouth is a curse word. Sometimes when they get saved, their speech is just completely changed. Sometimes when people get saved, they are completely instantaneously delivered from drug addiction or from some sort of illness or from some sort of injury. I know somebody who was in severe pain, had a shoulder injury, and was praying and finally accepted Jesus. And the pain in the shoulder instantly, completely went away and never returned. Why aren't we seeing more of this in our churches? Well, there's been an infiltration of a lot of occult concepts, some of them subtle, some not subtle at all. And one of the things I teach my client is, clients is that anything other than perfect holiness cannot be in God's presence. God is perfectly holy. Every, all that other stuff is sin. Isn't that an interesting thought? And sin is sin. Remember, the, the Word of God tells us sin is sin. And we don't like to think about how evil evil is and how sinful our own sin is. So when we want to be, we feel this feeling to be in with the, with the in crowd, to another reason to party and get dressed up into whatever outfits and go just party and eat a bunch of food that's really bad for us. It's part of our American culture now, unfortunately. And people want to be a part of that instead of exercising wisdom and saying, wait a minute, you know, that's probably not such a great idea. So let's look at this in a little more detail here in just a second. But right now, let me just uh, let you know who I am. I represent Myrtle Ministries. That's my ministry. And at Myrtle Ministries, we minister the mercy and power of Yeshua Jesus to bring freedom from bondage and to move into deeper relationship with the Savior of our souls so that we can boldly take back the territory the enemy has stolen. Our biblical counseling ministry provides a unique three-pillar approach to inner healing by combining counseling to address trauma, wounding, and negative life patterns with spiritual warfare to address bondage, together with a strong discipleship component. Through our teaching ministry, we also work to educate believers in effective and powerful spiritual warfare according to the biblical model, which has largely been sanitized from or diluted in many congregations, for both greater individual freedom and in order to be equipped for powerful ministry. You can contact us on our website at MyrtleMinistries.org or email me directly at hello at MyrtleMinistries.org. And Myrtle is spelled like Myrtle Beach or the Myrtle Tree, and that's M-Y-R-T-L-E, MyrtleMinistries.org. So one of the things that I was um, looking at today in preparing for the broadcast, well, the last couple of days, actually, there's a fantastic new episode on Skywatch TV with a new, um, a new book. What is the name of this book? It's um, The Second Coming of the New Age. And they were discussing some of this, how the occult has infiltrated the church. And you know what? When you get away from the Word of God, you don't recognize the deception, so if we start eliminating the Word of God or preaching only certain parts of the Word of God, 
we're going to miss things and we're going to be open to deception. The Word of God goes from cover to cover. It's not just one book. It's not just a few books. It's not just the New Testament. It's the whole thing cover to cover. And I stress that very strongly in my own ministry. We need to know who God is. And God went to great lengths to explain who He is, what happened that separated us from Him, and what is required for us to be close to Him. I call it the love letter, the greatest love letter of all time. He was so brokenhearted. We broke his heart. We had everything. He gave us everything in total love. And we betrayed him. We broke his heart. So he wrote this love letter to us to say, here's what you need to do. Here's what you can't do. Here's what happens when you do these things that you're not supposed to do. And he gives us examples. But yet, a lot of churches no longer teach the whole word of God. They only teach a few things out of the New Testament. And if they talk about the Old Testament, they just pull out some story that's treated more like myth or a fairy tale, like the battle at Jericho where the walls came tumbling down. And isn't that cute? We can have the kids sing a song about it. So we're missing a lot whenever we're not getting the whole word of God. And that's going to open us up to more deception. So they were talking about that in this great broadcast on Skywatch TV. I highly recommend that you watch this. It's a really interesting episode, and it was the online version only. It wasn't the one that was available for Skywatch TV on, um, I think they're on Roku, but you can only get it online at the website. New research came out from Pew, the Pew Research, came out on October 1st that more than 50% of American Christians hold some New Age beliefs. Wow. Does that shock you? It's very interesting. Do you know people that hold New Age beliefs? Do you hold New Age beliefs? And uh, what about karma? They didn't include karma, pantheism, pluralism. They didn't include those in the research. And if they had, I think the number would be much higher. I hear Christians on a regular basis refer to karma. Let me tell you a little story about karma. This has been many years ago, and I can't remember who said it. But there was a conversation with a woman who was studying um, Eastern religion, and she went to India, and she was, I forget what the term was, but she was kind of, you know, like shadowing this yogi, this great teacher, supposedly. And they were on a bus going through the hills out, uh, I don't remember where they were and what part of the country. And this bus is full of people, and this woman who's with this yogi teacher sees people outside the bus while they're going down this road in the hills, and the bus goes over something. She feels this bump that's pretty significant, and she looks back and sees that the bus ran over a child. She was greatly upset. This woman was from the United States. The yogi that she was shadowing, trying to learn from, the what she called and considered at that time a great teacher, said to her, are you disturbed by this? And she said, yes, of course. How can I not be disturbed by that? The teacher said to her, that was that child's karma. What do you think karma is? If you use this word, you might not really understand what karma means. And I regularly hear people, especially Christians, people who are into karma, they talk about karma that it's better than Christianity. It's kinder than Christianity. It seems more clear. Let me tell you about karma. There is no forgiveness in karma. None. So in India, This teacher had no problem and was not disturbed at all that a bus ran over and killed a child. The bus didn't slow down, didn't even stop, because it was supposedly this child's karma. 
There is no forgiveness in karma. In the Word of God, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Karma is harsh. Karma is not forgiving. That might be shocking some of you. This word gets thrown around a lot in our culture. You know, when the first big wave of the New Age movement hit, you know, many years ago, that was one of the things that everybody talked about. Oh, karma, you know, I believe in karma. And it became this hip thing. But you know what? It's not what you think. So more than 50% of American Christians hold some New Age beliefs. Eight of every 10 Christians hold at least one New Age belief. And witches now outnumber Presbyterians in the United States by more than 100,000. Wow! That's pretty significant. There's been a tremendous rise in witchcraft and occult groups in the United States. And it's kind of difficult to get a number that's accurate because a lot of people that participate in witchcraft and other, um, especially the dark arts, won't participate in these surveys and they won't admit that they do it. They like to keep it hidden. Well, what does occult mean? It means hidden. So we've got this in the church, people. So how are we going to get the truth when we've got all these people who are believing occult ideas? Halloween is a pagan holiday. Let's talk about that for just a minute. As I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, it um, started several thousand years ago, well before the Catholic Church ever existed. And some people kind of believe the Catholic story, which is it started with them, will know it didn't start with them, and it didn't start with Christians dressing up to declare that they have defeated death in the grave. That None of that is true. It is 100% the ancient festival of Samhain. It later turned into All Saints Day and All Hallows Eve, but it was much, much later. Ancient Britain and Ireland, it came up. The Romans had something to do with it. And then later at 373 AD, it was uh, noted. We've got documentation from people where it was already being practiced as in, that, in that way. And, it be- and it's on October 31st. And if you look up occult calendar stuff, the occult calendar, there's, uh, depending on what groups you're in now, now remember, there is, a, there is a spectrum of people participating in these things. And Wicca has become very attractive to an awful lot of people. Do you know why? Well, just one reason are things like the Harry Potter series. I knew when those books came out, I knew people in my church that were buying them, reading them, and giving them to their children to read. I knew people in the church that bought every single Harry Potter movie, and on a regular basis, they would binge watch all of the movies. They quoted them in conversation on a regular basis, referred to them all the time. You know, there's the, what is it, the Harry Potter experience or something like that? What is that, Universal Studios? I forget. There's all these things that you can do. Matter of fact, this is something I wanted to mention to you tonight. The store Sephora, the women out there might be familiar with this store. It's called Sephora. And Sephora sells a lot of beauty products. And they're also online. Sephora came out uh, earlier this year. I think it was around the summertime. And it was announced in August. Here's what this article says. I'm going to read it to you. Sephora is cashing in on the burgeoning witch economy. Glossy 
that's a publication, reports that the perfume company Pinrose will sell a witch starter kit for the little wannabe Wiccan in your life. The nine-piece set, which will retail for $42, includes fragrances as well as various paraphernalia like tarot cards, bad vibe clearing sage, and a rose quartz crystal. Basically, everything necessary for the ultimate slumber party introduction to the wonderful world of witchcraft as practiced by the modern Goop reader. And Goop is another publication. This is everywhere. And it's in children's programming. I actually did a report, um, well, a presentation a couple of, uh, I think it was almost two years ago now, a two-day seminar on uh, spiritual warfare. And I did a lot of research for that. And I had a slide presentation with lots of examples. And some of the examples that I showed people were really shocking to parents because it was it was um, snapshots of things in children's cartoons, all kinds of occult symbols, terminology, references to witches, references to supernatural power. There are a huge, it's a huge list. And this was, you know, I'm sure the list is even bigger now. But there was a very long list of um, television programs that were very clearly overt occult influence directed at children and even very small children. So is it any wonder that this is now, it's infiltrating the church, it's not being corrected, it's getting taught at home. Some parents, this is uh, news to them, they didn't realize it, but some parents kind of did. And we have to be honest with ourselves. You know, the Lord says if we repent and judge ourselves, if we take the time to judge ourselves, that a lot of that is removed. The point is we are supposed to look inwardly and look for our own mistakes, not just wait for someone else to point them out, not just wait for God to tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, that wasn't okay. So one of the things, and boy, fasten your seatbelts because some people are going to get upset at this, but I have not heard of one church that has a parents' support group or a parents' ministry group that gets together for parents to intercede on behalf of their children who have gone nuts in this snowflake movement, who are out in the occult, who have totally embraced either atheism or walking away from the church, getting into Wicca. The church is losing numbers. Wicca is incredibly gaining incredible numbers. Where's the repentance on the parents? That should be at every single church. Parents should be getting together, supporting one another, praying together, interceding for their children, praying to break the bondage that's pulling them away from, from God. I haven't heard of one. Why don't you start one? There is nothing more important than interceding for and praying for your children. And this whole human tendency that we have to, oh, la, 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 I don't want to see what I'm doing wrong. We really. We really need to stop that. This is something we need to consider. You were created to have a supernatural relationship, and salvation itself is a supernatural experience. And now that we've got this onslaught of supernatural and occult power that's being just absolutely perpetrated on the entire country, I mean, it's happening globally, but we're kind of focusing on the United States for tonight, this power is just increasing. And the Word of God tells us that that's what's going to happen in the end of days. And I don't know anybody who's a Bible scholar or who is um, paying attention to the signs and seasons that does not believe that we aren't in the last days. We are clearly in the last days. 
And I think personally that we are in the end of the last days. I think the coming of Yeshua Jesus is very close. And in Matthew 24, when they asked him, what should we watch for? What will be the signs of your coming? The first thing he said was, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. And he says it three times in just a few verses. Clearly, when he's repeating it in a short section, that's important. So you need to understand that supernatural power is absolutely real. And there's probably somebody out there that this is really shocking for you to hear this. Supernatural power is absolutely real. If there were no supernatural power, then God, as we believe him to exist, would not be. He is a supernatural God. Our relationship with him is supernatural. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is supernatural. When you get awakened in the middle of the night to pray for someone and you don't even know what's going on, then you find out the next day that exactly when you prayed, when you got up and prayed, that they were in a car accident. There is supernatural power and it's real. When someone gets healed, supernatural power is real. So the more the church, the broad umbrella of the Christian church in the United States, denies the power, which is also scripturally fulfilling uh, of prophecy, where it says they will have a form of spirituality or a form of religion, but denying its power. You know, when Elisha went up and was calling down fire on the hill, <laughs> he was mocking them. And I'm not, I don't want you to mock people. I don't teach people to do that. We're not supposed to do that. But he was kind of mocking them. He's like, Oh, geez, you're, you're God on vacation. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe you need to get a little louder. And then when they finished all of their stuff, he poured all the water on the wood and everything, and he called down fire that consumed everything. Let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. We have and serve a supernatural God. And if we remove all of that from the church, there's a natural longing for, fascination with, the supernatural, and we have a tendency to be drawn to the dark side. So we're losing people out of the church, and guess where they're going? Wicca and the occult. Why? Well, a big reason is because there are demonstrations of power there. That's very real. And some of the parents out there, you better be paying attention because you have a junior high school kid that might be going to a slumber party and not even know that somebody, whether the parents know about it or not, might pull out a Ouija board. Ouija boards are tools for supernatural power. We have to understand this. So if we get our, our vision adjusted and we recognize with the Bible, the Word of God from cover to cover, we are made to have a supernatural relationship. But that relationship is supposed to be with the God who created us. And we are supposed to read and study the Word from cover to cover. That we are made to be a body together, that we are not supposed to be just out by ourselves, never never having fellowship anywhere. When we do things God's way, we are able to see the deception very clearly. But when we aren't doing them His way, we become very vulnerable to that deception. And there are a lot of people that get drawn into Wicca and they say, oh, no, I'm just a good witch. I just use, I just, I'm, I'm a white witch. I just use the good power. I use my powers for good. Okay, but that's kind of missing the point. The point is not what you're asking the power to do as much as it's where is your power coming from? When I'm praying over someone in my ministry and God's doing miracles, it's because I'm praying to God and God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit 
is doing the miracle of deliverance or doing the miracle of some sort of healing or doing the miracle of answering a prayer that these someone thought would never be answered. It was impossible for this prayer to be answered. That's all supernatural from God. It's His power being manifest through us as willing vessels. The Holy Spirit moves through us. It has nothing to do with me or any other particular minister of whatever. It's God moving through us as individuals to bless, edify, strengthen, come alongside, iron sharpening iron. This is what we're supposed to do in the body of Christ. Without that, we don't have that protection. So you get drawn into this. People are getting drawn into Wicca, and they do not, many of these people do not recognize that they are plugging that power cord. They are plugging their power cord in to an extremely dark, powerful, toxic source. And once you do that, it's often very, very difficult to shut the door, even when people are trying to get out. So let's talk about the Halloween traditions. Now that we're discussing and getting a perspective that supernatural power is real, let's look back at Halloween for just a minute and let's talk about what are those traditions? Well, some of the traditions, let's just name a few. One of them is bonfires. You know where that came came from? It's from the late Middle English, from bone fires, from the Samhain uh, ceremonies. Human and animal bones, uh, human and animal sacrifices were made and the bones were combined and burned as part of the festival. That word later in English became known as bonfire. Ooh, that puts a slightly different view on it, doesn't it? Well, what about costumes? Surely costumes aren't bad, right? No, that's also from the Samhain Festival. People dressed up with animal skins and dressed up like ghost demons and fairies to try in an attempt to trick the spirits that came through on this day. They were trying to trick the spirits into leaving them alone because this was a a time of fear and a time of torment. It was a time when that veil that separates our natural world from the spiritual world was thinned because of the occult practices, bloodshed, human and animal sacrifices, and all of these things. There's a thinning of the veil. These spirits come and they torment, and so they were trying to protect themselves by wearing costumes to hopefully trick the spirits. Wow. Hmm. Not such a great idea, is it? What about trick-or-treating? That's just a new thing, isn't it? That's just a new American thing. Nope. That's also the Samhain Festival. People would put food and drink outside of their front door to appease the spirits, to keep them from playing tricks on them. And in the Middle, in the middle Ages, poor children went door-to-door begging for cakes in exchange for saying prayers for the dead, which is yet another thing we're not supposed to do. As Christians, the Bible tells us not to do this. In Kenya, every village had a witch doctor. And on the same day, which is October 31st, they all would bring him food and drink in exchange for a promise from the witch doctor that he would not curse the family. Again, trying to protect themselves from supernatural attack. On the porches, they would put gourds hollowed out with candles in them to show that they had already given the food to the witch doctor to keep the spirits from coming and attacking the family. What about bobbing for apples? Surely that's innocent, right? No, it actually has to do with with the Romans. When the Romans conquered Britain, they brought the apple trees with them from their worship of the goddess Pomona. 
That was the symbol, the apple was one of the symbols of the goddess Pomona. So in combination of Pomona, which was a a fertility goddess, and the Celtic belief of the pentagram, that it was a fertility symbol, and that, when it was combined, that's where the tradition of bobbing for apples comes from and being blindfolded when you do it. This is not a pretty picture, is it, people? It's not a pretty picture. So we've got the occult in the church. We've got the church leaving for Wicca. But I'm trying to explain to you tonight here that you really need to grasp that supernatural power is absolutely real. I deal with it on a daily basis. I deal with it in all of my clients. Every one of my clients, I only deal with strong believers, people who are mature believers, people who are in ministry. And the people that I deal with have had this torment for years, sometimes many decades, and have never been able to get rid of it. These are people that might even be teaching in your church or sitting next to you in your church. Supernatural power is real. There is authority there. And if they are given authority, you have to take that authority back. And that's a whole other conversation on how to utilize your spiritual warfare properly. But can we redeem Halloween? Some people say, take it back. Well, if you're saying take it back, that kind of implies that it was God's day in the first place, but it wasn't. You cannot witness to someone by participating in the very thing from which they need to be delivered. I don't witness to you by putting myself in bondage with the same thing that you're in bondage with. I witness to you by demonstrating with my life, by the fruit, you know, you know the tree by its fruit, by the fruit and the light of my life that I am free from that bondage. That's what calls to people. They're like, wow, I I wish I could have that. How do you do that? We need to be free. We need to be shining the light of Christ out of us very brightly for all to see. We must be shining a light brightly because we are different. We are different. We are called out. We are called out. We are to be different. We may be in the world, but we are not of the world. We are to be different. We operate in a different way. We have a different source for our supernatural power. And that supernatural power should follow us everywhere. And let me tell you a little story. Years ago, um, I was in a place in California when I was at a seminar on powerful um, spiritual warfare and power. And it was a couple of days this seminar was. And during that time, not too far away from this church where this seminar was, was this really great, I think it was a Mexican restaurant that had a fantastic, um, like, food bar. And it was a really large one, you know, California size. If you're in a small town, it's hard to... (laughs) it's hard to imagine how big some of these restaurants are in California. They are really large. But, um, and it was near the wharf. And so we, we walked in a group of us from coming straight from this seminar. And we walked in to get something to eat. We're standing there at the, where the hostess is getting your name and everything. And then the hostess grabs the menus and says, follow me. And she's going to take us to this, to the table. As there was a wall behind the hostess station. And as we stepped around that wall, we could see the rest of the restaurant behind us, behind that wall. In the very, very back, the very last table on the right in the back corner was a booth. And as soon as we came around that wall and started to walk down the aisle, there were four guys there dressed in all black. They stood up made the goat's head sign, all turned and pointed to us and started hexing us. You think I'm making that up? Mm -mm. That's a true story. They stood up and started trying to throw curses at us because they felt our presence. They felt us walk in that place. 
So if you've got strong uh, Holy Spirit discernment, you can just be walking by somebody in the grocery store and get, just get a shiver and go, ooh, there's something really dark going on with that person. Well, just like you can feel that, people who are really plugged into the d- dark powers, they can feel you. And there are some amazing people in ministry now who have been called out of the New Age movement, who've been called out of um, Satanism, who've been called out of deep, dark witchcraft, and they will tell you, and I used one of these uh, testimonies in the, the seminar that I did on spiritual warfare a year or two years ago, where he was talking about how it was part of their regular routine. They would walk through neighborhoods cursing Christians. And they could tell the Christians who were strong and the ones who were not. People, this is no joke. The Bible tells us about this. It warns us that we have to be ready. We are given the armor of God for a reason. What about the harvest festival? Can we just have a harvest festival? Well, guess what? Why do we need to invent something when God already gave it to us? He gave us feasts, and he tells us to celebrate them forever. And one of the feasts he has is a harvest feast. It's called Sukkot. See, God is not some big mean guy in the sky with the magnifying glass trying to fry the ant on the sidewalk. You know, I grew up thinking that that's what God was. Even though I didn't realize it, it was much later that I had an experience with the Lord where I realized all in a single moment that that is not who God was, and at the same moment recognized that I had always believed that, but never really recognized that that's what my belief was. That is not who he is. He is a God of love. We've been lied to from the forces of darkness about who God is. And if we won't get in the word, we won't know who he is. He's not some guy that's in the sky that wants to just fry us with a magnifying glass that doesn't and doesn't want us to have a good time. He gives us festivals. He wants us to rejoice. In Zechariah, it says he rejoices over us with dancing and singing. It says God loved when David rejoiced before him with dancing. This idea that God is so deadpan. I'm sorry, but God has a sense of humor. Yeshua Jesus has a sense of humor. After he rose again, when he went to the, where the disciples were, he walked through the wall. He could have knocked on the door, but he walked through the wall and then asked him, what do you have to eat? I mean, come on. What a guy thing, right? <laughs> There's great humor in the word of God. Do you think it's just some coincidence that we love humor as human beings? We have a God who loves us. He weeps for us. He tells us repeatedly he doesn't desire for anyone to be lost, but he will not violate your right to say no. He will not violate your right of choice. He gave you that, and he's not going to violate it. Who wants to be loved, quote unquote, because there's no other option? Would you want to be loved and then find out that Someone loved you only because there was nobody else for them to be with? (laughs) No. He wants you to see who he is. He wants you to learn of the depth of his love. Even though we can never, it's my personal belief that we will never be able to fully understand that. Not in this life. I think it's a journey till the day we leave this planet. I believe that that is a journey that will never end. There is no, we're never going to reach the bottom of the beautiful well of who God is, every single day there's more that's unfolded. Every single day there's more revelation. So what about Halloween? You know, that is not what the Word of God tells us to do. 
We are not to rejoice in death, and we're not to celebrate in pagan festivals. As some, and you try and use some sort of excuse that you're going to witness to someone. And you certainly can't, with any wisdom or discernment, say that you don't want to deprive your children from participating in a pagan ritual. No, we need to be rejoicing and dancing and laughing in the light. God has given us the light. He said, you are children of light. Walk, therefore, as children of light. Come on, people, we can do this. And it's even more important in the days in which we live, because we are in the end of the end times. And Bible prophecy is unfolding before our eyes every single day. We, for the first time in history, we live in a time where all of the places, all of the pieces of the puzzle are in place for the one world government. And the only thing that slowed it down was that the United States somehow elected <laughs> this renegade anti-establishment president named Donald Trump. Now, this is not a political broadcast, and I do not get into that. But that absolutely slowed down the march towards the one world government. They were ready for that. We're watching prophecy unfold as we speak every single day. I implore you to start praying about this. I implore you to not participate in Halloween. There are human and animal sacrifices on these holidays every year. There are, cult, there are sects of these groups and the occult who do human sacrifice every year. They kidnap around the, the, the date of the 13th. They're tormented and tortured until the time of the ceremony. And then they're killed with the greatest amount of torment and torture that, beyond what you can even imagine. There is nothing about this day that we should celebrate. You want to be a witness? Be a witness all, every day of the year. If you want to be a witness around Halloween, when someone asks you if you're going to participate, say, no, man, I don't get into Halloween. Well, why not? Well, I feel like this. And just explain why you don't think it's a good idea. Why you, why you get more satisfaction in plugging into God, where you get more joy in participating in His feasts, celebrating in ways where we get to enjoy each other in the body of Christ, and we also get to honor and glorify the God who gave us all things. So I'm going to pray before we sign off here. Let me just wrap up a little bit by reminding you that Unresolved Life is a podcast based on answering life's most difficult questions. Please visit unresolved.life for the website where you can listen to this and previous episodes of the podcast, learn more about us, contact us, and read our blog that has wonderful articles from a variety of contributing authors. And also, please like, subscribe, follow, and share Unresolved Life with others. That really helps us out a lot. And if you like what we're doing, we would be so honored if you would support us. If you would like to support us, please go to the website, which is unresolved.life, and click on the Support Us tab, and you can support us using PayPal or Patreon. And on the Patreon, you can support us for as little as $5 a month. It makes such a difference. It gives us the ability to minister to more people. And also, there's going to be some new things coming up from Unresolved Life. They've got a new site they're working on, all kinds of things. Very exciting. So please stay plugged in for that. Check the website to stay up on that. And I'm sure Teresa will mention it in upcoming podcasts. So before we close today, let me just pray over every one of you who's listening. Whether you're listening um, right when this is posted or if you're listening later, 
Let me just pray over you and over what's going on right now, because at this time of year, there's a tremendous surge of occult power, and we need to be protected. And so we obviously want to protect ourselves, and then we also want to pray for the blindness to be removed from them so that they can see that there's a better way. And it's also more fun. (laughs) So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for every single person who is listening. Thank you that they desire to know more about you. Thank you that they tune into this podcast because they have questions, or sometimes they need the company. Lord, I ask you to speak to each person who is listening to this broadcast. Speak to them, Lord. Reveal every hiding place of the darkness in their lives. Speak to them by the power of your Holy Spirit about what Halloween really is, about how dark this time of year is, about how we need to be the bright light in the darkness. Protect us from all of the forces of evil. Lord, we ask you to set a wall of fire around each of us. Reveal to us anything that we need to change, Lord. Give us that conviction that comes from your Holy Spirit for the things that need to be changed or removed from our lives. And I ask you to speak to each person individually who's been listening tonight. Speak to them about Halloween and what it means. Speak to them about your word. Give all of us, Lord, an increased hunger for your word. Reveal to each person who's asking you for answers, Lord. Reveal to them what this really is. Reveal to them your plan. Reveal to them the beauty of the love letter that you have given us in that book of books called the Bible. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you that we have this kind of technology where we can encourage and edify one another. And Lord, I ask you that each person will know you better as a result of this broadcast. We thank you for this and for all of the beautiful things you are doing in and through our lives and for all of the blessings that haven't even reached us yet. We praise you because we know you are faithful. And we ask these things and praise you in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only name at which every knee must bow. Amen. Amen.